All right, ladies and gentlemen, a very good afternoon to you. And um, just on behalf of Newstalk, I'd like to say how delighted we are to be involved. It's our very first time involved with the uh, conference, and so far it's been really brilliant. Um, I'm Jared Gilroy. I'm the sports editor at Newstalk. And we have a brilliant panel lined up for you here for the football and also in about 40 minutes' time for the hurling as well. So hopefully you're going to be able to stay for both. To get this one underway, I'm going to ask Eugene to uh, just speak a little bit about uh, the main thrusts of the proposals that have been put forward and then we're going to debate them with the rest of the panel immediately afterwards so here's Eugene McGee uh, Ladies and gentlemen I'll be fairly brief uh, most of you know a lot of what the FRC were doing or attempting to do but just the history of it is very simple uh, the incoming president last spring about March or April Liam O'Neill he said he wanted to get a group of people together who would have a look at daily football see how things are going, is it going fine, is it, is it, is it is as good as it can be, or the little things could be changed or something. Now he stressed from the start, he started from a position that Gaelic football was in very good order. And when we did start to do major, major surveys, uh, we asked people about that question, that was the first question, and uh, 75% of the people who responded, which was well over 3,000, they said that Gaelic football at county level is either good or very good. So I think it's important to stress that at the start. This is not an emergency situation as some people have construed it. There's no major problems with Gaelic football. There are small things that possibly could be improved. We've discussed a lot of those, uh, didn't agree with some of them, and we came up with uh, about a dozen proposals. Some of them are motions that have to go to Congress. Others of them are just recommendations. And the Congress, as always in the GA, will decide on the 22nd of March in Derry what to do about them. So uh, I'm glad to get the opportunity here just to uh, set the scene, if you like, for this, because this is a coaching conference. All the people here are coaches or will be coaches or are famous coaches or whatever, or managers. And the, the rules, we're dealing with rules now, mainly playing rules, and obviously the coaches have a huge interest in all that sort of thing. And uh, it, that's the background to it. Uh, we started from a different perspective maybe than other committees in the GA because we had a year to do it and also we availed of modern technology. And the big thing we wanted to do was we wanted to consult with as many people as possible all over Ireland and abroad who were interested in Gaelic football, either as players, spectators, managers, coaches, or parents of, of, of people who play, all the people who love Gaelic football, all the people that, that I often said that on a Monday morning for six months of the year there's at least 100 or 200,000 people talk about football all over Ireland. They talk at the, the water thing in, in offices, they talk on the way to work, they talk in the post office and wherever else there's people assemble. They talk about Gaelic football. It might be the local junior club match, the All-Ireland Championship, but there's an incredible interest in Gaelic football. Absolutely incredible. And it's completely underestimated by the Irish public at large. If any of you want to think what the role of the GA is, just imagine if for some reason the GA was banned next Monday morning and uh, wasn't allowed to compete, where would, you, where would the rest of Ireland be then? Particularly rural Ireland, but more and more in the urban areas as well. Where would it be? In most parishes around Ireland, uh, the GA club is now a community club. They run most of the things that happen in the parish. They've replaced a lot of great organisations in the past that have declined or disappeared, but the GA is stronger than ever, and especially since the advent of women in the GA in a big way. That has been a huge factor. So... We, that's where we started from, a strong position where the game is in a very good condition, but if there was things, not earth-chattering things, some very small things, some reasonably important, like the, 
the thing about cards and that, which obviously comes up. But there are a lot of important things, less important things, seemingly less important things, that the survey showed to us. People would love to say, Jesus, is there any chance of getting this done? Is there any chance of the pitch up being changed? Is there any chance of getting an advantage rule in Gaelic to have in rugby? Uh, is there any chance, of, above all, of doing away with the cynical fouling that has come in in, in modern times? I don't know how long, no point in pinpointing when, when it happened because it only implied then that whoever was involved in Ireland at that time was at fault. That's not the case. And we were not, very careful not to blame any county, any manager, anybody. We talk in the general. There was eight people along with myself who were handpicked by myself. And we tried to get uh, a group of people who love Gaelic football, who have been in it all their lives in various capacities, mostly as players, but also as officials. And they're uh, what I would consider a, a relatively ordinary bunch. None of us were desperately famous, to be perfectly honest, when we were put together. And I hope we don't become too famous now for the wrong reason. But anyway, we, we, none of us are aspiring presidents of the GA. None of us are aspiring county chairman or anything like that. We're just an ordinary group of people I could pick. 20, 28s in this, in this room here, and they'll do the job just as well as we did it. Uh, we, the President wanted the common man and woman's view of Gaelic football. Where does it stand, and is there anything that, that might help to make it more attractive to everybody? And that's why football doesn't, doesn't, do, you know, it doesn't belong to the players, it doesn't belong uh, to managers, it doesn't belong to referees, it doesn't belong to spectators or officials, it belongs to everybody. And that's a point we want to get across, because sometimes the people who shout loudest about Gaelic football at the moment uh, sometimes give the impression that they basically own the game. But that's not, none of us own the game. We all did our bit in it at different times, and will in the future, but it's, we're only part of a, a huge audience of people who are involved in Gaelic football. Uh, as I said, the thing that came, when we did, we did a survey, we asked 10 questions that were negative and 10 positive, if you like, and the, the thing that uh, people wanted most in Gaelic football on the positive side, they wanted more, more high catching and they wanted more kicking. Uh, we, we discussed that in great detail. The, the negative things that they didn't want was, above all, cynical fouling, and I think number two was inconsistency of referees. Now, all those things are trashed out regularly in the media ad nauseum because they're topical and everybody, when fellas go into a pub after a match or wherever they go after a match, you know, they talk about, give out about the referee and probably give out about the manager if it's uh, your team and they've lost and all this sort of stuff. But we tried to put some logic into the whole thing. And we had a couple of guidelines. One guideline was that we have to make the lot of referees easier. We can't go on slaughtering referees morning, noon, and night and saying they're useless and they're this, that, and the other because we'll end up with no referees. And we had a lot of discussion with the referees' groups. And the best discussion that we had, uh, we spoke to 14 different bodies all over Ireland involved in the GA, everybody from the highest to the lowest. We also spoke to uh, 10 players, 10 people from every county in Ireland at focus groups around the four provinces. Uh, we did all those things. We spoke to every group that moves in the GA. But the one that I thought was the most important, really, was the referees, because they, were, they had a lot of problems, and they were very uh, straight-talking about, about their problems and what they, what they would like done and so on and so forth. And maybe it was the first time that they got a vehicle by which they could say what they really meant. It was a kind of a private meeting, and no minutes or anything kept. We just said, let's talk to each other, lads. And it was very brutal and very frank, as I'm sure Pat McEnany, who was there, will remember quite well. But it was necessary. And therefore, we made a decision. Anything we can do in the recommendations, we'll try and make refereeing easier. Not harder, easier. And that's why things like the pick-up will help the referee. Things like the advantage rule will help the referee. Uh, they'll also reduce fouls. The average number of fouls in a county game is 40. 
You might think it's more, sometimes it's 50 or 60, but the average is around 40. Now, if we could get two fouls less for the pickup, two fouls less, uh, or three maybe for the advantage rule, and a few things like that, we could quickly reduce the number of fouls maybe by 25% in a year or two if, th if these were passed and things went well. And that's what we should be aiming for, to make the game more attractive to our players, for spectators, for everybody. And above all, for the parents, the young parents of young children who are interested in, the, want their children to be involved in sport, but can't decide whether they want to play rugby, Gaelic, soccer, or hurling. And there's a growing number of parents in that category, as we all know. People who, in, in urban areas, which is developing rapidly, thanks, thankfully, uh, foreigners who live in Ireland, and they decide, their the parents decide what the children will play. So if Gaelic football is messy or unattractive looking or dangerous looking in some people's eyes, then they'll, they'll, they'll direct their children to one of the other sports. So therefore, the GA is on a marketing campaign for football. That might seem strange with all the people who play it, but that's the reality. Anybody who lives in urban areas like Dublin and all the other city, towns and cities, they know that full well. They compete head-to-head, street-by-street in some places for players. And uh, that's why the game has to be... We have to keep abreast of the game and not be afraid to make little changes. The Ruby people made a lot of changes in their game over the last 10, 15 years, and look at how the game has thrived. I realise that it's gone professional, which is another... another uh, change as well. But I mean, basically, they made the game more attractive to play. That's, what, that's one of the guiding lights that we had here. So the, some of the things that we are suggesting are fairly obvious. The, the time clock in Crow Park and hopefully all grounds. The advantage rule being a full advantage rule. Uh, in other words, the referee can call the play back and give it free. Uh, a 30-meter free being brought forward for anybody who doesn't release the ball when a free is is, takes place or who messes with the ball or throws the ball away slightly and, and ends up with the referee having to go 10, 14 yards to pick up the ball. That's demeaning. That sort of stuff is demeaning. And that's why we have no respect for referees, because some players treat referees like that. The, the new rule is, if you're fouled, uh, uh, you, you drop the ball on the spot immediately and get away. And if you don't get away within seconds, that ball is brought forward 30 metres. Some people would have liked it 50 metres. Some people would have liked it to be brought forward on the 21-yard line straight in front of the goals. But we've gone for a happy medium here. The reason, what we're trying to do here, get rid of what's something, something that is extremely annoying to the hundreds and thousands of people who watch the games every week. A fellow who, he's, he, he's foul, he, he concedes a free, and, or he fouls somebody, and the ball won't be released. And the referee, there's a hold up then, and the referee has to go looking for the ball, looking for the culprit of a ZL card or whatever card, and this sort of stuff. That really antagonizes people, and there's no need for that. So we're hoping the 30 meter free, if it's passed, 30 meter bringing it forward will change that. We, we also have a, the hand pass scores are being allowed because for referees it's next to impossible when they're 30 yards behind a man, whether he was hand passing it or fist passing it. So that's another reason for getting another task which makes the referee's task easier. We're trying to do a series of small things that will help the referees their life easier. And maybe if, it's, if, there's, if it happens 10 times in a match that the referee gets it right, right instead of wrong because of these changes, that would be a wonderful transformation. And that's, that's the way we're working. That's the way most things are. We have a thing put in here for clubs, by the way, as well, club fixtures, uh, which is big, one of the biggest problems we've, we've had with the most people coming in. Over 1,000 players got in touch with us about that. And uh, all we could do there, because we can't run county, county fixtures, we, we, we insist that the CCC in every county, there's a motion going forward, that the CCC will have the absolute final say on club fixtures. Nobody else can interfere with them. Not the county chairman, the county secretary, not the county team manager. The CCC will have the final say. 
That's the small gesture that we are making so that club players all over the country will start getting a chance. They'll be able to plan, make some attempt to plan the match. They can't be called off the Tuesday before the match is due to take place. That's, that's, just, that's a little bit off the playing route. Uh, the other things, all those things, by the way, are coming in this year, if they're passed, and month after Congress. Uh, left over till 2014, if, if they are passed, uh, the mark, uh, the 60 minutes, the, the 70 minutes for club games, if that's passed, and, and these, all these cards and things. Now, I must deal with the cards because obviously cards have had a checkered history in the GA, all kinds of cards, and red cards, and yellow cards, and black cards, and Every, every possible card. What we set out to do was to try and stop the cynical fouling. That is, everybody knows what, it, what that means. It means in situations where a team is in front, in particularly in front, uh, or their own team has been caught away up, the, up attacking with extra players, uh, and they're suddenly, they lose the ball, and they pull down the opposition just deliberately to stop the play, delay 10, 20, maybe 30 seconds if there's messing with the ball, that messing will be now eliminated, hopefully. But it's, it's deliberately, deliberately attempts to frustrate the opposition by denying them the ball and by stopping the play. And there's no need for me to elaborate. You've seen it. You all see it in all your counties and all the, all the Crow Park, everywhere else. And it can be stopped. The way we are proposing to stop it now is we're bringing in a yellow card for, for five uh, designated fouls. And uh, those... those uh, Fouls are very easy to remember to, to deliberately pull down an opponent, deliberately trip an opponent with hand or foot, to deliberately body collide with an opponent after he has paid the ball away for the purpose of taking him out of moving to play. That's a fancy expression for a third man tackle. The older people here will know what a third man tackle was when there was real third man tackles. When you take the head off a fellow when the ball is 50 yards away. So this is a modern variation of the same thing. And it's quite dangerous and it's very disruptive and it's very, very unsporting because the person, the person uh, received, going on to receive the hand pass, very often he's exposed and he's concentrating on the ball and somebody comes along and hits him, left, right or centre, and does a lot of damage. That's a very destructive foul. And the other two things that attach that are to, to use abusive or provocative language to or just to players, any players, your own players or the other players. And the final one, and most important, to remonstrate in an aggressive manner with a match efficient. That's the referee, linesman, umpires. Now... They're the five, five black cardinal sins, if you want to call them. If they're passed, they'll be put in all the match programs this year for starting on the 1st of January. Uh, they'll be publicised well. Every player should have it off by heart. Every manager should have them off by heart. Every manager should be able to anticipate that this might happen and prevent it happening, as he has plenty of time. He has nine months. If it's passed in March, he has nine months to get ready for the next one. And by the way, we are... Also, uh, if these things go through, we're going to rewrite the, the playing rules in simple English in a very, very simple fashion that any, most of us can understand. I've never met a player, and I've met a lot of players in my time, I've never met a player who read the GA rule, playing rules. Maybe you people have, your coaches you probably have. But it's nearly very difficult reading. Uh, James Joyce's Ulysses, I think, would be in, you know, in the happy place trying to figure out the rules of the GA. So they, we want to put, put in, in simple English the top 10 or 12 fouls. Explain, put them in there so that the ordinary person, the spectator, will know what happened. We're also asking the referees to distinguish in all fouls between deliberate, deliberate fouls and accidental fouls. And I've heard people arguing, so there's no such thing as an accidental foul. There can be accidental fouls. Two people can be running for a ball, the chip, one fellow, they trip their legs, and two of them fall, and sometimes the referee gives a, 
gives a, a free because that's that's right. The, we're hoping that the referees, for if there's a, a foul that takes place, if he puts his hand up, that means it's an accidental foul. There will be no cards involved in that. And there's no need for discussions or rows on television uh, studios or anywhere else. That's it. It's, it's an accident. It's an, it, can't be, it can't be a card. The, yeah, all right. That's the trouble when you start talking about rules in GA. Time doesn't seem really, to stand still. Uh, we've redefined the tackle, and people can look at it. It's a simpler version of what it was, and it puts the emphasis on skill, the skill of tackling, as opposed to hitting a fella. Uh, most people, as you know, daily football, a tackle meant how much do you hit him, how hard do you hit him, or where do you hit him. Uh, the tackle is, is a skill, and lots of players around Ireland over the years have been bringing it. Uh, a, man, a referee of recent vintage, who I saw him quoted in the paper yesterday, he said, should the black card fouls, uh, they're dealt with by yellow cards. They want these five. They're dealt with by yellow cards. What do, you need black, what do you need black cards for? Well, I'll tell you why you need black cards. You might get the first yellow card for the, for the pulling down, but you won't get the second one because he's cute, and his manager in some cases is cute as well. And he tells him, you, you might get one yellow card, but you're not to get a second one. So yellow cards are often rotated around the team. And this black card will stop that. The first time you pull a fella down, you're gone and you're replaced. So it's, a it's, a, it's fairly brutal, but something has to be done to stop that sort of stuff. It's annoying everybody, and it's not sportsmanlike, and there's no need for it. And good players shouldn't have to do it. And I'm sure the good managers don't let the players do it. So therefore, it's, it's, these are the things. I, I, I just gave you the background of the introduction because we're under pressure for time here. Obviously, I, I'll be cross-examined here by the... Uh, the jury or whatever they are here. So we try and answer the questions. Okay, thanks. Obviously, if you haven't already read the document, it is still available for download, um, and this is going to be something that people are talking about repeatedly over the next while. I, I want to start with you, uh, Pat McEnany. How easy will it be to implement the black card system? Um, well, we've had this discussion with the group um, as, as a group of referees, and we felt that you know it's a job that we can perform. Um, I think you know we, if we go back a number of year ago, a number of years ago, we had um, uh, noting offences were, were were dealt with, with with a black card. So it's something that as a group we have experienced, and we can't see an issue with it. There was um, a perception out there that the sin bin would have been too difficult to implement. Do you, as a referee, go along with that? I think I was involved in that last. Uh, um, committee that, that looked at the sin bin and uh, you know there was a few issues around it you know um, I think um, um, in some of the matches that we looked at it was the Oborn Cup and the Mechanic Cup games where teams went to 14 players if they lost a player to the sin bin it, it actually encouraged more uh, defending and getting players behind the ball and teams set their stall out that uh, they would hold out for 10 minutes so it wasn't really what we were looking to do and I think um, you know um, by, by, by the new rule, it, it's, it's basically putting the onus back on the player, and I think that's important. Pat Gilroy, as uh, somebody who now has a little bit of distance from the inter-county scene, do you think that there is a need to stop cynical fouling, as it's been termed? Yeah, I think it, it, it makes sense. I think, in fairness to, to what has been done here, all the diagnosis, I think, is spot on. All the problems are clearly identified, and uh, I think that one in particular, you hear people talking about it all the time, 
you know, at club games and even in kids' games, yeah. that people get away with it. And, and, and you know, the, the advantage is to the team who's most cynical. And I think that's not really... That's something that has only creeped in recently, and I think it should be removed. Did you notice that when you were managing teams, that certain teams you had to prepare for? I'm not asking you to name any names today, but would it have been part of your thinking in the preparation to the game that, you know, if we're, if we're breaking fast, we're likely to get pulled down, make sure you get up quick and transfer that ball fast? Yeah, I think it, it, it has become part of the game. It's not just one team. It's it 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 would become sort of a almost a norm that you have to move the ball quickly, or else you know you would you could get caught up in that. So I think it has become a feature over the last five or six years that there had been the cynical side had gone up uh, significantly. Glenn, is there a pressure on managers then to actually be part of that movement? That you come you come across three or four teams who do it to you week in week out, and your players are coming to you saying, "Look, this is what everybody else is doing. We need to be wise to this." <coughs> Absolutely, um, you have to be aware of what's going on around you, and, uh, and I suppose from a weaker county or a smaller county, uh, I suppose the term is always trotted out that, that they're used as the guinea pigs, and, and from these smaller counties or in the early rounds of the championship, that, that rules or, or there's elements of the game that are probably tested in the early rounds of the championship or in the lower leagues and, and maybe applied later on. But there certainly is a pressure to be to be keeping up with the big the big guns, I suppose, and and for for the the smaller counties or those with the, the lower numbers certainly need to be seen to to be up there with them and, and competing at a level and whatever it takes to compete, I suppose it's it's the term is you try and do the best you can. Yeah, uh, William O'Sullivan, the a couple of the rules that are being suggested are already active, obviously in in ladies football. Um, in, in particular, the clock is going to be. Something that I think, if it gets passed, is going to be obviously a bit of a revolution. There's some concern that maybe the last minute of games you're going to see a lot of possession football from teams, a bit of showboating going on in the corners. Does that actually happen, or is this one of those kind of imagined fears that uh, doesn't translate to practical games? Well, it can happen, obviously. I mean, if, um, if a team is a couple of points up, um, coming into the last minute of the game, they'll try and keep the ball. I mean, that's no different to any other game that... You'd see, um, I think it was alluded to earlier, um, you know, the last minute of a game is when the cynical stuff starts with the team that's far ahead. Um, I think if the clock and the, the sin bin is a thing I'm a big fan of, to be honest, because I've coached on both sides, obviously ladies football, but in club level, championship level in Kerry as well. And there's, um, there's a major difference in mindset between managing a ladies team where there's a sin bin involved and managing a men's team where there isn't. And, um, Can you explain that to us? Why? What, what is the difference? I, very definitely your coaching is, is different in the way that we, we pay a lot more respect to the tackle in ladies football. It's coached an awful lot more, even speaking to other coaches within the game. Um, there's definitely no cynical fouling and courage because you're down a player and it, it hurts you very much. It cost us in All-Ireland semi-final two years ago. We lost a player with 11 minutes to go and we were down a point and we lost by nine. Now, um, it does have that short-term effect on you in a big way. And I think, you know, my personal view on it would be that black cards, yellow cards, I think there's just yellow cards if we stuck to that and gave 10 minutes in the bin. I think that the defensive side that Pat alluded to that they saw in the Auburn Cups would disappear fairly quickly. But then again, it's no different to what we're looking at at the moment. Eugene? I just wanted to get the chance to explain why we have what we call mandatory substitution that's why for the black card you're sent off and replaced as opposed to the sin bin because we discussed this at length now while public opinion in the media and all that sort of stuff everything about the, the FRC's proposals 
have been in the context of inter-county football at a high level in top-class stadiums. We have to deal with club matches as well, and all of you people are involved in club matches. And the difference between Crow Park in August and a junior league match uh, on the 23rd of March when it's raining and sleeting, when the referee goes to the match, he's the only neutral person in the field. And for him to try to implement the sin bin in a context that especially if it happened to be get anyway volatile, is next to impossible. And we did discuss this at referees. So we have opted for this one. Uh, the punishment is different, but I can assure you any person who concedes a black card and has to walk off the field in a county match in front of 10, 10 30,000 people, he's going to be very, very, he'll feel very, very punished. He'll be embarrassed and he'll be exposed and he'll be shown to be a, a bit of a fool because by that stage, every player will know by heart what are these five things and he has absolutely no excuse and the referee won't have to have a second thought, black, bang. So we feel the punishment is adequate. Uh, I know a couple of managers have said that the sin bin with 10 minutes off is more draconian punishment, but we're happy enough with the punishment there. And that's the reason, that's the main reason for it. We have to cater for all the clubs all over Ireland on small grounds and junior teams and that sort of stuff with no neutral officials whatsoever. And the referee is very exposed there and we want to make his life, it's, it is a bit easier doing it this way, we think. Uh, Glenn Ryan, do you buy the whole black card for cynical fouling? Do you think that that, that is actually a step forward for the organisation? I don't know. I think um, we're introducing another layer of, of, I suppose, confusion, particularly in relation to referees. Um, we just had a discussion outside. Uh, as things stand at the moment, if you're trying to explain it to somebody that hasn't experienced their game and they asked, well, what, what are the punishments or how are people dealt with? Well, you can get a tick and a yellow and then you can get another yellow and then you get a red or you can get a yellow and a tick another yellow and a red or you can get a, two yellows and you're gone and you get a straight red and there's all these different things and now we have a fella getting a black card and he can be replaced by somebody else unless three fellas get black cards and then he can't be replaced so from that point of view even from a promotion of a game I don't think it's great um, I do agree with the with the the, the, the approach and, and certainly punishing these crimes um, I think some, something more simplistic uh, could certainly be adopted and my idea would be that if a fella takes up one of these fouls and deliberately rubby tackles a guy which is one of the things that, that, that has been exposed here that's an intent on the player to, to gain advantage by deliberately breaking the rules he, it was something that was premeditated it was his own decision. If a fellow goes up and, and abuses a guy or abuses the referee, that's not a spur-of-the-moment job. It's something that he intended to do. He made a conscious decision to go and do it. And that should be sanctioned with, with, with severely dealt with and, and maybe a straight red, but possibly not the game suspension going along with it. And like Eugene says, it will give all those other reasons or all those other feelings that a player will get the shame of being sent off but he put himself in a position of being dealt with. He knew going out in the field how it would be dealt with. But I do agree that something has to be done to tackle these particular type of uh, discretions. But introducing a black card, I feel, is, is, is adding more layers to, to many layers that are already possibly there. Pakiroi? Yeah, I, I think you know, I can understand where Glenn is coming from with, with, with the comment on it, but I think we have to recognise that there's a human side to a referee, even though sometimes we might think that. And, you know... In the last 10 minutes of a game, the chances of him giving a red card for somebody doing one of those deliberate fouls at the minute is, is pretty low because we don't see it happening. 
So I think even to try the black card, because I think the referee is more likely to give a black in that cynical situation in the last 10 minutes than at the moment where he feels that if he gives the red, he really is making a dramatic influence on the result. Yeah. And I think that's what's holding it back. Yeah, there's nothing focuses the mind like a hanging, but, you know, to... to um you know, to issue red cards for any of those five offences, you wouldn't have a chance at Congress, not a chance. And, uh, you know, I think everyone admits that, you know, the, the, the cynical fouling, um, systematic fouling, um, you know, we need to eradicate it from our game. And I think those five particular fouls, they're very clear, um, you know, they're not very hard, difficult to understand, and they're five clear yellow cards, or sorry, five clear black cards. Um, and uh, you know, I can't see a problem from the referee in perspective to issue uh, a black card for that, particularly when uh, the first three he's been replaced. And the referee, he's not considering, he's not even thinking about the quality of the player. You know, there is teams, and Glenn will probably argue that, you know, teams with, like Longford who have smaller numbers and smaller number of quality of players. But as a referee, you're not thinking about the quality of the player. You're saying he's committed a black card offence of easy to do. And I think ultimately, though, it will have to be simplified, the black-yellow red, do you know what I mean? But I think you need to try something first, and, but I do agree it, it's a bit too complicated if you continue with all of the different yeah. things but I think yeah. there is a, a step that needs to be tried first. There's a real education process around all this, Eugene, and I suppose that's the other thing that I wanted to ask you about. What has the response been since you've published the, the details of the massive survey that you've done? Because doing the survey is the first part of it and then selling the ideas that you've uh, uncovered to... Well, we, we try to consult with every every section of Gaelic football in the country and abroad as well. We spoke to all the delegates from abroad when they were over at the All Ireland. And incidentally, by the way, those, uh, all the delegates, I'm sure some of them are here from uh, Dubai and the Far East and all that, one man said the first thing, uh, and a local and native, a foreigner for us, a native for the, for, for the, in Dubai or whatever, the first thing they ask for when they're thinking of joining the G8 club is could we have the rule book? So I, I said to that man, I think you shouldn't answer that question. <laughs> so, but it just shows you, I mean, I've never yet met a GA person other than an official who said, any chance to give me a copy of the rule book? So, like, uh, we, I mean, I'm hoping that, that uh, the, the little simplified rule, rule, plain rules that we'll bring out will make it re- more, everybody will understand it. I mean, it's terrible that people don't actually genuinely don't understand what some of the fouls are. I mean, spectators in particular, and probably a lot of players as well. So let's let's remove the the ignorance level as well and make it more enjoyable for everybody. I should point out in the we did massive amounts of survey and so on, and they're all they'll all be put away and they'll be on a database there for the G in the future. So uh, you know, the, you, we can measure everything that happened over the last 10, 15 years. Everything, every part of the game is broken down in that, and we use a lot of those in our research and so on. But they, they will be available for future reference and so on. But uh, the average number of yellow cards in matches in the last few years has been six. That means six uh, between the two teams, and it doesn't mean six endings off, six yellow cards altogether. So they barely average one yellow card, one yellow sending off per game. So, you see, people tend to react. If the black card comes in, I can guarantee you, there'll never be three black cards in a, in a match unless, unless there's a, I don't know what sort of people want to do that, because after the first one has gone off, the manager is surely going to start saying at halftime or whatever, look, this has got to stop. No more of these. That's it. Full stop. And that would be part of our target there, to ensure that the players, first of all, take personal responsibility, which a lot of them do not do, and also that managers 
would have extra responsibility that it would be their job to stop these wayward people who constantly foul, stop them constantly fouling. The same as we'd stop them con- constant, constantly kicking them all wide from 14 yards, other sort of stuff. It should be part of the coaching. This is where the, the whole coaching thing comes in. And by the way, on the coaching, uh, we, 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 just, we believe that there's a, ter- a terrible anomaly between all the wonderful work done by coaching from Pat Daly's time and before it, going back to 64 in Gormanston, all the wonderful coaching that's been done, world-class coaching, and you do not have to have any coaching certificate at all to coach to manage a, a club team or a county team. It seems an anomaly. It doesn't happen in many other sports. So we have put in a, a, a proposal uh, for the GA that by 2015 that you shouldn't be entitled to manage a team unless you have at least the minimum level of coaching. We think that's realistic and we think it might encourage a problem which was highlighted earlier that hardly any, very, very few clubs in Ireland who have co- whose members of coaching certs are ever allowed, and allowed is the correct word to use, allowed coach their own team. And you know, we, this is a, a small gesture to uh, establishing the importance of coaching because we have probably as good a coaching as there is in any sport in the world, and it's a shame that it's not used more. I want to Sorry, go back to the other, one of the other key findings which uh, you said came through was the inconsistency in refereeing. Pat, can you tell us a bit about that conversation that the referees had with the, the FRC? Um, like, from a referee's perspective, what are your frustrations and what, are your, what is your group's frustrations with how the rulebook forces you to do things at the moment? Well, um, you know, a level of consistency. People, sometimes it's a word that annoys me because, uh, you know, I'm not consistent seven days of the week every morning I get up. And, um, you know, when I train a team at home, uh, an under-14 team or a junior team, um, all of those players don't perform consistently every Sunday they go out. And the same applies to, to referees. You know, I, I keep telling people that a referee makes 70 to 80 decisions in an hour. You know, as a managing director of any company, you could make seven or 70 or 80 decisions in a year and have plenty of time to think about it. The referee has a split second to think about all of those decisions. And, you know, of, of course, as a unit, you're always striving for consistency. Let that be a chairman of the national referees, let that be a referee, let that be a team manager. It's, it's something that, it's a never-ending process. Um, I suppose the big one is the consistent application of the rules. Um, and that's one that we're striving to get to and trying to do. But it's a never-ending process, that is. Yeah, do you accept the point that Pat made earlier that uh, in the last 10 minutes a referee is far, more, is far less likely to make a, a sending-off decision, for example, than he is in the first 15, 20 minutes? I would consider him a weak referee. But it seems as if it's, it's the experience of a lot of GAA people that that is the case. Um, well, you know, it's like, you know, I say it's like every organisation. The good referees will always do the job, you know, to, to the very end. And as I always, we keep preaching, a sending off in two minutes in, the, in, in a game is the very same sending off as, as um, the 68 minute of a game. It's, it's the, it should be the same. And, you know, when people criticise us for being inconsistent, I, I would have to accept that criticism if that happens and when it happens in our game. Uh, the, then, reading the documents, are you quite happy with various elements of it? Uh, back chat to the referee in immediate 30 yards, that, that should have an impact. The, I, the pick-up, for example, completely simplified now as well. I, th- I think it's vitally important that we don't re- lose all of these proposals to maybe one or two proposals. I think that's vital. You know, leaving this room today, I think if there's one message we need to get across, there's a lot of rules here, to me, a lot of rule changes that are very good for our game. You take it, the three yellow cards, you miss your next game. 
we've been crying out an awful long time in our association, as long as I can remember, people telling me, show yellow card, what difference does it make? Now a player picks up three yellow cards, it puts the onus back on the player, he misses his next game. I think that's vital for our organisation, vital. Um, the 30 metre advance, um, you know, it would make people, you know, look up and listen here. You know, any back chat to a referee, not releasing the ball, messy situation, and you're suddenly now 30 metres in football is a big turnaround. You know, that's game, that can be a game changer. Um, the advantage rule, you know, what a dream that is for a referee as far as I'm concerned. I wish I had it when I was about, still refereeing. Just to explain in case anybody doesn't know, there's a five-second window where if no advantage accrues, you can call it back and give the free. Yeah, the current rule states that once when you play advantage, you cannot go back. Um, this rule allows rule changes allows us approximately five seconds to allow if the player has been fouled and we can see a clear advantage and that clear advantage doesn't happen to the player, that after about five seconds, we go back. I believe myself, a personal opinion, we've discussed it with Eugene and the committee, that the, the rugby uh, rule is too long. You know, to me, it, it goes on for far too long. It can go on for 14 or 15 seconds, and it comes back. Personally, I'm not in favour of that rule. I think the five-second rule is, is, uh, is quite good. The pick-up, you know, um, I have my own personal opinion on that. You know, there's nothing wrong with the rule we have, but it would make it easier on referees. It takes that, uh, you know, was it a pick-up, was it not a pick-up? So it would eliminate that from a game. The open hand pass point, you know, to, to think that we have rule in our game, maybe some of the audience don't even know this, but you can hand pass the ball out the field, but you can't hand pass it over the bar. I mean, how ridiculous is that? So let's get rid of that one. Let's make that one easy on ourselves and, and, and eradicate it. Um, you know, so there's an, what I'm saying is, and the message needs to be, there's an awful lot of good rule changes out there. Let's not just get bogged down in, in one or two. Okay, Glenn, uh, uh, taking the black cards out of it, are you generally in favour of all the rest of the rule changes that have been suggested here, and do you think that we will see a different game as a result of them? I, I like to see a game that certainly the, the cynicism has, has gone out of it, and anything that, that tackles that, and whatever guys wants it eradicates it, I think that it can be certainly something positive. Um, I don't agree with, with anything that will, will eliminate any skill in our game. Uh, I know that's backed up by trying to improve and enhance and encourage the catch but I don't agree with, with, with taking out our, our pick-up. Um, from the time that we've, we've been taught how to play the game, it's, it's something that, that we all, we've all down in the field practiced and coached. And if you go through the skills, you know, even though many think it's a very complicated game, it's a simplistic game. We have very few skills involved. We have, we have the catch. We have the various form of kicks. We have the solo. We have the hop. We have the pick-up. And we're talking about eliminating one of those. I don't agree that it'll speed up the game. I, I've yet to, I'm, I'm open to correction on that. I don't see where, where the game will be sped up in relation to it. Um, Sorry, I have to interrupt slightly there. Because, uh, this, this is not a rule change. It's an addition to the present rule. The present rule, you can entitle to pick it up exactly as you have. People like my own county man, Paul Barton, who picks the ball on the chip on the run and keeps going, and there's lots of them around the country, they can still do that. The, the, the change is that if people want to pick it off their hand, they may do so. But those who are proficient at picking it up now, that wonderful skill... But won't, won't, won't that die out? Won't Paul Barden, as a child, not bother learning that skill now because he doesn't have to? Isn't that the... I think that's the point Glenn's making, that you kind of remove the, the, the desire of the child to learn that skill. If they're very pro proficient at it at the moment and they've done it all their life, they will continue to do it. 
Well, it, there, there are areas that encourage. I think it will, it, it will encourage one area that we want to do out of the game, and, and power degree is to throw up. The throw up can encourage so many different areas of the game that can cause inconsistencies and, and rocks and malls and everything else that you don't want to see introduced into the game. Sorry, I Jared, think that, that the pick up will introduce that. And the pick up, it's in ladies' football, obviously. Like, and, I mean, look, it's obviously going to be a one of contention with some people, and Glenn in particular there would feel that the, the current pick up is a skill that shouldn't be lost to the game, and fair enough, you know. Um, but I would suggest that the pick-up, as is in ladies' football, picking it straight off the ground, is a skill in itself. It's the same as the pick-up in men. You still have to bend your back. There are still fundamental movement skills involved. There's good core stability needed. And if we can refer again to the, the game of rugby, I think one of the finest pieces of skill I ever saw on any pitch was Brian O'Driscoll's try against the All Blacks a couple of years ago when he sped in, picked the ball one-handed off the ground and ran in for a try. And any of you that want to Google that and have a look at it, it's probably some very good coaching points on how to coach the new pick-up in Gaelic football. And I think it will speed up the game and it will make it easier for referees. OK, I've got to wrap this now, but just one final question. Um, Pat, it strikes me that a lot of sports have the type of uh, perpetual sense of review that we've got from uh, Eugene's committee here active all the time, that maybe this shouldn't be a once a decade thing, that actually it wouldn't be a harm, it'd be no harm having a group whose job it was to constantly monitor the situation, and I think that's one of the, the points that comes across, that we do need to monitor how the game is developing maybe this has been so successful in fostering debate that it would be no harm having this an ongoing thing I think the, the way this has been done is the way forward for sure uh, I think get that amount of contributions is massive and I think with technology now that is available, it is possible to do that. And uh, I think it would be helpful. Like, as I said, I think the diagnostics that have come out of this is spot on. I don't know. I wouldn't say I agree with all of the solutions, but that's only an opinion because I haven't seen them tried. Yeah. So I'd be open to seeing them tried and then make my judgment on whether it'll work or not. Uh, and I think if we could do that on a more consistent basis, I think it would make for a better game. You know, whether these work or not, I don't think the process, I think, is a great process. Yeah, maybe, Eugene, that's the, the biggest learning here is that while you, you gave the statistic at the start that uh, the vast majority of people think the game is good or very good, that actually if we had this as a consistent thing every year, maybe one rule being debated as opposed to this massive uh, raft of rules, it would be a good way of focusing the mind on the rules of the game and how to continue progression. Well, I mean, there's an argument uh, there. Nobody keeps referring to rugby, but uh, the World Rugby Union have a small group, I think five or six around the world, and they, it's a permanent body. And uh, they meet uh, a couple of times a year and uh, get all the reports back to the different countries and they have a look at the game and say, is everything working okay? If it is, fine. Is there an outcry about certain things that are happening? Okay, we'll analyse that. And, you know, that's the way they make change. I, there's a strong argument for... Uh, something similar in Gaelic football as well. I mean, there's an, the other side of that argument is you get the people in the last few weeks saying, for, for God's sake, we just stop changing the rules every year. Well, the rules aren't changed every year, and most of the, the rules that have been changed have been very successful. You know, the, uh, the, the kick, the free from the hands, the line ball from the hands, they've speeded up the game. A lot of people claim they're, they're, they're better for the game and so on. If you're a fan of the free off the ground, of course, you disagree. But, I mean, most of the things that have been tried in Gary football have actually improved the game, and that's, that's the way it should be. I don't know how many of these will be passed and uh, how they'll work. We can only try them out. But all I can say is there was never as big a consultation process carried out in the history of the GA or any Irish sports body that was done about this. And we talked to all sorts of people, 
big people, small people, experts, non-experts, casuals, everybody. And we condensed it all. And we're all nearly half mad at this stage. And we have only half this, by the way, we have another half of this thing to do. That's just to look at the Ireland Championship. But that should be, that should take a half an hour or so. We'll, we'll sort that one out reasonably quickly. <laughs> but I mean, this one, uh, it was a great uh, consultation job with all the people who love Gaelic football. Everybody, from top to bottom. So it can't do any harm. And hopefully some of these things will be passed. And above all, hopefully make, start the process of making refereeing a little bit easier and giving more respect to the referees. For instance, we're asking now that the referee for all county matches just go into the dressing room before the match, introduce himself and say hello. Now, that's not asking too much. It's a fairly civilised thing to do. You do it in your house or in somebody else's house. But it's not been done. And we have to stop this thing of... Uh, team is training on Tuesday night, the referee is announced, and somebody says, who's the referee? Oh, jeez, not him. We have to stop that, you know, otherwise the whole thing breaks down. So a little bit of respect for referees, that, that new rule about uh, telling the referee to nasty things and so on, if they implement that, and it's their job to go and do it, it's their, it's their, their respect we're talking about. These okay. little things would help. Most of the things that we've done, you know, proposed here, are housekeeping, basically. Little bits and things that everybody said for years. Why don't you do this? Why don't you get the clock? Why don't you get the adventure? Why don't you do this? So they're all be up there now for discussion, and it's up to the people who go to Congress to decide. The right. only major one, I suppose, are the cards. And personally, I don't think it's very major at all. When, when, it, when it's in practice, for, you'll find there'll be no, hardly any black cards earned because the manager didn't stop the players from doing silly things. And uh, I think you'll find a much uh, more sporting game and a more manly game, and that's what we want. We don't want to do, okay. eliminate any of the hardness or toughness of the game. That's an integral part of the game. All right, we've got to stop it there, but uh, my thanks to our panel. Please give them a big round of applause. <laughs>